1: entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beast.
0: You don't have to pick and choose who you're going to identify with or like what culture, what community you have to say you're from. Like you don't have to be put in a clean cut box. It's like you can be exactly who you are and find ways to weave that into your story and find ways to weave that into your life. And there's always going to be an audience that will celebrate that.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Katini Yamaoka, founder of Katini Skin. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. All right, everyone. Having grown up in both Asia and Australia with the Japanese mom and Guyan dad, Katini embraces her beautifully complex lineage and draws inspiration from her life around the globe. From a young age, Katini adopted wellness practices such as daily meditation and vegetarianism. The talented singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur is dedicated to representing these principles as well as authenticity and empowerment through her music and her platform. Katini combined her lifelong passion for beauty and holistic wellness to create Katini Skin, a premium line of face oils derived from the native ingredients in Japan, Africa, Australia, and beyond. She has been featured in Good Day New York, Ebony, Maria Claire, Forbes. Vogue, Saks Fifth Avenue, Bergdorf Goodman, and 13 Moon. Katini Skin has also been featured in Allure, Mary Claire, Elle, and Birdie. Katini, welcome yeah. to Business of the Beat. I'm so excited to have you on the show today.
0: I'm so excited to be here. You're actually the first podcast I'm doing for Katini Skin. So this is really exciting for me. And i and I oh love what my you do. Goodness! I know. Yeah. So,
1: it's a, it's, a, oh, it's a big day. Wow. I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, like I told you, I was just fan-girling over you. I, I truly Aww. think Unless there's some hidden talents, you know, I don't, all my guests are amazing. So um, in case there's some hidden talents after 84 episodes, I think you are only beauty executive to also release music and I went through your Spotify I listened to you performing and I was like wow no wonder (laughs) it's so beautiful because the melody of your sound and the music and what you stand for it flows from the music into beauty so it's
0: fantastic Thank you. Thank you. so kind of you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yes. So, we have this fun thing on the show um, that we do, and it's called Rapid Fire. But because we have you as this multi talented artist, we are going to switch it up a bit. And we're going to do a fun kind of rapid fire that is now a rapid freestyle. So, we want to see if you could sing freestyle about two things flowers. And smooth skin. Not to put you on the spot, but a freestyle <laughs> quick melody of flowers and smooth skin. I'm combining so
0: all your strengths. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Okay. You like I've got a little thing we're gonna do, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it was like it's gonna require this much. <laughs> um, I love flowers, they make my skin so smooth. I love flowers they make my skin glow there we go (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: my god (laughs) that was amazing phenomenal I was like I love flowers too they make my skin so smooth they make my skin glow that was Aww. fantastic. So not only do we have the first Katini Skin podcast, we also have the first Katini Skin song, Flowers and Skin <laughs> Thank you.
0: I love that. Thank you. They're very, very on the spot. Um, I don't know if that would make the cut for, for a record, but just a little bit of a morning lullaby, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It was amazing. So with that... I love that juxtaposition of artistry because at the end of the day to be in beauty and to be as, um, in art and music, there's this amazing convergence of creativity. So tell us about your journey into music and then into beauty.
0: Yeah. So I think like from a very young age, I grew up in a family where my dad was a human rights leader and my mom, she was an artist. And from a really young age, they were always like, you know, everybody has a purpose in this world and in whatever capacity that is big or small, you have to make a positive impact in this world and kind of watching my dad and do, do his job and, and creating an amazing impact for people. He's from Ghana. Um, and he actually passed away when I was about seven years old. And so when that sort of happened, I was like, you know, Papa really spent a lot of his life trying to bring a positive impact for people and to, to, to connect people and, and and to um, uplift people, I wanna be able to do that, do that in, in my life in whatever small way that is. And so I was, I'm was i in I'm between like, you know, shall I go and study political science and sort of take that route or what was in my heart of hearts and my heart's desire was really to be in music. And so when I graduated high school in Australia, I was, I was 17, um, so I was actually born in Japan, kind of lived all over the world with my parents' job and then relocated to Australia um after my father's passing and so when i finished high school there i was kind of like all right so i've always wanted to be a singer i'm really shy but like i need to give this a go like it's either this or going to going, you know down this political route and i'm not sure if that's going to be right for me because i found myself like really creative i loved um music and i loved beauty in sort of all in all forms whether it was like through creating something or creating music or just connecting with people so i was like mom Like, let me put university on hold for the next six months. If I can create a career for myself in music, then I'm going to go and do that and and be able to sing songs that I like, that I hope will be able to bring happiness or light in someone's life. And she was like, okay, go and do that. And so I wanted to be in New York, first and foremost, but at 17, my mom was like, there's no way in hell you're going to move to New York by yourself. You don't know anybody. Um, And then so... (laughs) At the time, Japan was uh, the second biggest music industry, and so she was like, "Look, yeah, family in Japan. You know, Japanese is my first language." So she's like, "Why don't you move there?" And I'm like, "Great, I'll do Japan for a couple years, and then I'll move to New York." And so I think like a two or three days after I graduated high school, I moved to Japan, I sent like a, a demo to a producer that was, by you know, at the time looking for a uh, mixed race, half Japanese girl that spoke both Japanese and English to launch in Japan. And he was like a producer in LA for a long time and kind of came up with like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. And he kind of left his career there to, to do work with Japanese like pop pop artists. And so I was like, look, I, I tick like half these boxes. Maybe he'll listen to my demo, you know. So I sent him the demo within like hours. He he called me. He's like, love your sound let's let's meet and I would love to like sign you sign you to my production company and then find a label for you and it was kind of just like oh my god this is what I'm supposed to be doing and so my like little 17 year old excited self was there and and we ended up um signing a deal with a major label in Japan and I was recording Japanese pop music for um a few years and um as much as I'm Japanese, you know, I'm mixed race. My mother's from Japan, my dad's from Ghana. And I loved being there. What I fell in love with was more like R&B, soul and jazz when I was a kid. And it it wasn't, that wasn't the music that I was singing. It was like 90% Japanese with like a, hey baby, I love you thrown in there. And I'm like, this is cute, but it's not (laughs) really, (laughs) it's not really exactly the, the soulful music that I had dreamed of singing. And so I was like, all right, before, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know if this is the right thing for me. Like, I feel really grateful to have been presented with this opportunity to work on music and to have an incredible team. But in my heart, I was like, oh, no, I I still feel like New York is it. And so I ended up leaving that deal and moving to New York. I still didn't know know anybody here, but at least I had a little bit more years of experience. Um, And then so I started my journey here, like performing jazz initially, um, just in clubs all around New York City and then sort of in, in the past like eight years kind of work, working the scene there and live music and then recording music Um i'm in a place right now where i'm recording my ep which i'm really excited about um which is like an alternative r&b record but it pulls influences from my cultural heritage so for me it's always been important to me where i've come from and the amazing things that come from both cultures but I think as a young adult, it was really difficult for me to find ways to be able to bring in what I thought was so amazing about these places that I've grown up in and, and these amazing people that have been around me into my art. So it's kind of been this, this this transition where, with music, I found a way to be able to do that seamlessly. And I'll talk more about that through Katini Skin because that's just been a mirror, again, of the places that I've been and 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 the culture that I've been around and. To be able to find a way to bring that into your work and bring that into creativity and to um, express yourself to the world through that is really, really powerful.
1: Wow. You know, it's so interesting because we talk a lot about divine timing, right? Yeah. there's a lot that happens with courage and with confidence. Totally. And so at 17, to negotiate with your mom and then say, <laughs> okay, I want to start this career. It's not the path I was thinking, mm-hmm. but I love how it was this person looking for a biracial, mixed race you know, Japanese who could also speak English yeah. and you were there. And I mm-hmm. always like to say it's like preparedness matched with opportunity. 100%. Kind of yeah. Part
0: of success. I think at the time too, I was so excited about, I had this whole vision of like what I wanted and, and where I wanted my career to be. And I totally agree with you when, when you're mentally, physically and spiritually in that space and you believe it and see it wholeheartedly, the opportunity does arise. So it's been an incredible journey from there to being in New York and having performed for incredible organizations such as Forbes and the United Nations. And a lot of the things that I was like, I dreamed of as a kid, like I wanna be able to, you know, sing music that has meaning and, and, and to be able to deliver a message, whatever that be, it might be about love, it might be about connectedness or, or um, whatever I'm feeling at the time. So I feel grateful to be on that journey, to be able to hopefully do more of that in the future. <laughs>
1: Well, and and you know, music is such the connecting. Um, it's like the connecting equalizer, right? Definitely, After mankind. Yeah, music brings us together, and even the merging of the cultures that you are able to infuse into the music, and then bring into the tangible nature of a product.
0: Totally, and I think you know, I, I grew up speaking Japanese, French, and English, and I remember. My, my dad spoke 16 languages and as a kid, my mom was like, you got to speak as many languages as you can. Yeah. So you can communicate with people around the world. And I'm just like, mom, that's like super ambitious. Like, okay, I know dad did that, but like, I feel like three is enough for me right now. And so music for me was kind of that universal language where, you know, you don't need to understand what someone's saying or the, the exact lyrics. It's the cadence in how they're saying it. It's the rhythms, it's the melodies. And it's the tone of their voice that really makes you feel something. And I think that's 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 powerful. And so for me as an artist, it's like, what can I do in my life that is universal? And music is one of those things and, and creating a product is another. Yeah.
1: Well, and and you're right. Music is universal and creating a product is different,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: they're so completely connected to your culture. And totally. how you grew up. I'm like, wow, 60 languages. I'm, I'm working on two. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it, it, it is. I'm like, wow. But it's interesting as you kind of defined your own mm. self in between multiple cultures. And mm. it's interesting because there was the Well and Good article. And you talked about sitting by your grandmother's vanity and watching yeah. her apply the rice extract, the oil, the sea algae um, mm-hmm. in her skin. And so when you think about, I've now had the opportunity to combine cultures and music, but Mm -hmm. now I'm going to take this fond memory and I'm going to infuse it into the beauty industry. What was that process transition like? Because you've always lived such a, what what I've read, (laughs) a soulful and like really just holistic life.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I, I really thank my mother for that. So, both my parents, they decided before my siblings and I were born, they were they were really into meditation and yoga for, for many years, and they were like, "We want to raise our kids, you know, doing yoga and meditation and, and vegetarian and really connected to plants and the earth." And kind of growing up, I was like, "My parents are so weird! Like, <laughs> why do I have to meditate? Why are you teaching me about yoga? Like, why do you know? All my friends are eating all these like amazing things, and I can." I'm like stuck with eating just like whole foods. And I think as a kid, it didn't make much sense. And then growing into my teens, you know, I talk about this a lot, like in high school, our skin breaks out and my friends were using like Neutrogena and Clinique and all these like beautifully packaged, squeaky squeaky clean brands. And I would go home, and like, mom, like I really, I would love to get that for my skin. I love this. And she was so adamant on really teaching me about Plants and really the the power of, of natural flora and I think that's when it all really started she was like she'll teach me about you know so, some of the ingredients that my grandmother was using or um, native ingredients in Australia like kranggong and kakadu plum which which are in our um, oils as well and then learning through her like okay tea tree oil is really great for blemishes or we can use macadamia nut oil to really help hydrate your skin and first I was kind of questioning it. I'm like, I don't really think this is going to work. But as I started to see the results and really saw the power in plants, I was like, wow, it it does work topically. Like I've been eating plants my whole life and I've never had meat. And I know it's done good for my body, but to really see it on my skin was something else. And then every year I would visit family in Japan. And as mentioned in the article, my grandmother, she was like, she had the most gorgeous skin, so flawless and, and just so beautiful. And she had all these like really interesting products. And a lot of them, like like mentioned, were like rice, um, extract, wheat germ, um, sea algae. And she would just put them on so beautifully and so carefully. And I would just be in awe of what what she was doing. And oftentimes she'd be like, you know, we have to give the time of day to give ourselves self-love. So then we can go out into the world and mirror that with others. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really a beautiful way to look at it because unless our cups are full and unless we've given ourselves love and tenderness, how can we then go mirror that with others? So for her and to watch her do this beautiful skincare routine morning and night, it was so graceful and so elegant. And I thought that's something really, really special. And so I wanted to take these things that I learned from my mom and my grandmother and other incredible women. Like I grew up um, because my parents were really into yoga and meditation like we always had these like amazing monks that would come and like visit our house whether they were from India or all over and some of these amazing female monks from India that would come spend a night or a week with us were really into Ayurveda so there'd be always like amazing like turmeric masks that they would teach me about and it was just at the time it was fun and I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have on my adult life and how I take care of my skin but it just became so natural for me to be like okay you know all of these secrets exist in the world and ancient wisdom to me is really the source of beauty and truth like how do I package that into a modern day you know product and a lot of the time like these ingredients they don't come in the most like attractive bottle or they're literally like a raw and you're you're you know grinding whatever you know turmeric or you're blending up rice to make a face scrub or something like that and just um sort of growing up around with my mom being an artist and her really respecting interior design and and fashion and, and all these things um she sort of influenced me and it was important that the aesthetic um is sophisticated and and beautiful to look at um just as much as the contents was, was pure and, and natural.
1: Wow. It, I just am smiling because it's hard as a child to appreciate the experiences that we have kind of, as you mm-hmm. said, like, why am I not eating this? Why am I not yeah. eating that? And <clears throat> then the reflection that you have of these amazing, like I can see the monks and I can see <laughs> what, um, just what a fantastic experience that is. You know, people search their whole lives to find the peace and the tranquility that mm. monks and meditation and yoga have. And so it mm. is so special to have that. And even this matching of the aesthetic with the contents. And you've been very intentional, both on the aesthetic, it's beautiful, as well as the ingredients. And so when we think about, you know, Katini mm. skin is nature's wisdom for natural beauty. And yep. you talk about this highest quality facial oil. The, the videos, everything is beautiful. And you talk about wild harvest and natural mm-hmm. and organic. Talk about the sourcing for these ingredients and and explain. We talk, you know, we talk about sustainability. But yeah. wild harvested is such an important element of what you're doing. So how does that factor into the the products and the ingredients? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you know. So a lot of our ingredients are sourced from all around the world. And I wanted to especially pay attention to the raw, untouched plants from the places that I'm from. And if we look at, for example, the beautiful continent of Africa, there's so much of it that's like desert or that's in a drought. And they don't, you know, the 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 weather's super harsh. So for me, it was important to go to these places, not me physically go, but to source plants from these places because... It says something, if a plant can grow strong and beautiful under harsh weather, there is power in that plant, you know, to sustain it. And I think as human beings, we're the same, like we, like right now in New York City, and, you know, there is air pollution, there is stress, there's all of these factors that go into, and sometimes we can't control the environment that we're in. And so not only I wanted to sort of highlight these three countries because I've experienced using ingredients from them and, and I'm from those places. But if I l- look at sort of the history, there's so much there and so much um dense nutrients in those plants because of these um environmental situations. And so when we were coming up with the formulations, I was like, okay, I know how I want it to feel because I've been using facial oils my entire life. Like that's what my mom introduced me to the minute that You know, I started questioning, like, I want to put something in my face or blemishes or whatever it is. Um, But I want to be intentional with using ingredients, organic wherever possible, and then going back to these plants that, you know, we could create, yes, a vitamin C in a lab using certain things that aren't necessarily these plants. But it was really important that we brought that untouched, pure element to the brand because I really think that there is power in plants and and the the purity there is super important.
1: Wow, it's fascinating to think about that analogy because you're right. If you can go to places Mm -hmm. and you have survival happening and we think about the environments that we can't control, like that's a superpower. And bringing that together, even when you think about right? The sourcing piece, the products. That you and I think it's
0: the resilience in a plant says a lot, you know, and that's the same with our skin. So we always want to protect the barrier of our skin. And if a plant is resilient, despite weather, despite, you know, with a drought, rain, whatever's going on, then that really says something. So I think for me, that um analogy was super important when bringing on these plants and really deciding like, what are we gonna highlight for each oil?
1: Well, and I I love that because you talk about the two pillars of the brand, yes. giving back to the community and yes. building a sustainable business, which is friendly to the earth. And so weaving the plant narrative into everything, it's just, I'm like, wow, I'm thinking about all of the ways that plants have survived and evolved over the years. And then thinking about our skin and everything that we put it through, and so when you think about your your four skews, um, how did you determine those four skews, and what was kind of your process navigating between the celestial night serum, the clarity facial oil, the collagen facial oil, and the solid day serum?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I wanted to have a staple day and night serum because to me that was important. Like you know a go-to for everybody the the day serum is a lot lighter Um we highlight some amazing ingredients from africa there and um that to me i guess i can i can talk through some of the products but that um specific the day serum has properties that really help um protect your skin against daily factors whether it's pollution or uv rays and whatnot and so and it's a much lighter texture so i was like okay you know the, the modern day girl, we do wear makeup, we're out in the city, we're doing our thing, or we might not be in the city, we might be out, out on the farm, I don't know. But I want it to be light enough that, you know, it's not going to be, if you if you layer it with makeup, it's not going to feel too heavy. So that was sort of intentionally done to help protect your skin from daily factors and, and as well not be too heavy. Um, the night serum, is like a super restorative, I'm using that at the moment, it's actually right here. Um, It's a super restorative um, oil that um, has baobab, which is an amazing tree in Africa and and kakadu plum, which is a a fruit from Australia that has like incredible amounts of vitamin C. Um, And so that's like your staple every day at the end of the night, after you finish your skincare routine, you just lock it in with this nutrient dense, super hydrating oil. And, um, and then we have our double C's that kind of come to complement that. So I would say like the foundation would be like the day and the night serum. Um, I say serum, but it's really an oil-based serum. Um, and then our double C's, we have the clarity oil, which was, this one's the one that was really inspired by my grandmother because it has a lot of these Japanese ingredients and Subaki is one of the things that I really loved that's been used for centuries in Japan to really help Brighten skin and even out skin tones and um that oil is really based around blemishes hyperpigmentation any sort of skin allergies and it's really really gentle in a way that it's it's super universal too so I had a, a girlfriend of mine she had been like struggling with um eczema like her entire life and I was like you know I met her and she was like, I love your oils. I wish I could try them, but my skin is just like, it's way too sensitive. And I was like, you know, no, no pressure, but like I gifted her the the clarity oil. And I'm like, if you feel like it, use it. I do think it'd be really great to like help calm some of your skin down. And she's like, girl, I've been like, I've been dealing with this for like 30 plus years and I can't use anything. Like I'm not going to use it. And I was like, fine, whatever, take it home, give it to your friend. And I didn't hear from her for like months and like three, four months later, she, she texted me and she's like, I actually tried it eventually. And it's like the only thing that I can use that's gentle enough for my skin to sort of calm it down and, and to help that. Yeah. And that was like, that really, really said a lot. And, wow. you know, we spent so much time on each of these formulations to really um, get them to a place that, you know, hydrates your skin, but then doesn't clog your pores and doesn't feel filmy and doesn't feel heavy at all. And I think a lot of people for the longest time had this thought about facial oils being like you know if my skin's oily why the heck would I put oil on my face but the way that each of these oils have been formulated it, it's it's got a mattifying effect to it and it really helps balance your skin out so um yeah like I'm just really really excited like I wanted to make sure that each of them served a purpose and then our lastly our collagen oil um it's it's more of like a plumping sort of anti-aging um oil that helps sort of like the the texture of your skin on the surface and and really helps deeply hydrate so I didn't want to as I mentioned I wanted everything to be intentional I didn't want to over create products to just to have them it was like each oil has to serve its purpose and each oil kind of originates from sort of a different part of the world which which is something that um, I wanted to focus on as well.
1: Oh, I I love this. And even thinking about the curation of it and the intentionality behind them. And you mentioned something that has been an interesting topic. Um, Yeah. One, I have a personal question, but in terms of the night serum, yeah do you put on your moisturizer because i know people say it's like i do one thing for seven minutes and then i put on another thing and then i wait 20 minutes for my moisturizer yeah. is the night serum something that it's like a whole i'm like 20 minutes here i'm like don't fall asleep is yeah the something that we should all be using after we put on our moisturizer or does it double up because i talked to some guests who are like oils and it's that myth of if you mm. have oily skin you don't add oil because it's reactive but how do you kind of balance that with consumers and educating on the importance yeah. of mind serums when you use them and balancing between a traditional moisturizer
0: totally so we actually what i recommend is i mean it really depends on um sort of your skin type but what i recommend is to put either like a lighter or a heavy moisturizer on at night just because you know, it's time for our skin to restore. And so whether it's a lighter or a heavier moisturizer, you'll put that on and then you're locking all of the goodness in with the facial oil. So the facial oil should always, oil serum should be the last thing that you actually put on your skin. And the the myth that people have is like, again, I have oily skin. Why would I put oil oil on my skin? But the reason why your skin is overproducing oil is because it's actually dehydrated. So oil, oils are the best way to really hydrate your skin um, deep within the layers. And so for me, like the, I, I mean, I use the, 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 the celestial night serum every single night um, just because I know that, okay, maybe, you know, my skin's going to feel like I can feel the oil as I'm putting it on, I'm massaging it in, um, and it is heavier than a daytime oil. But I know that when I wake up in the morning, my skin is going to feel super plump, and my skin's gonna fully absorb everything that I put on put on top of it. So, really, depending on your skin type, you could do like um, like a light toner and then massage the oil into your face, or you could do the toner, moisturizer, and oil. So you have to really go by how your face feels, but we recommend all of our oils to be the last thing that you put on your face at the end of the day. Oh my god. all the, the beginning it's of the so day. Yummy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited about it. And Thank you, you also, there's an interesting conversation happening. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because you're able to, you lived in Japan, you lived in Australia, you're in New York, like you've traveled all over. This interesting notion of brightening and lightening when we mm. think about brown skin. So mm. it's an education moment because there's yep. hyperpigmentation, there's dark spots, there's things that happen with melanated skin. But yeah. then there's also this notion of when we think about Korean culture, we think about some of mm. cultures of lightening as a form to change a skin mm. type, a skin color. And so how have you experienced that from a culture perspective, especially in beauty? Because mm. even now we're at odds about lightening and brightening and what is the right path for brown, brown skin? And are we trying to culturally change something that we're born with from a lightning perspective.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, we were all born the way that we are, and that's absolutely beautiful. And it's, I'm, I'm not a believer in, you know, try to lighten per se your skin to achieve optimum beauty. I think the word that I like to use is brightening and radiance, because that could go for, you know, any skin tone, whether you're like super light or super dark, because When we're bright and radiant, it means that we're healthy from the inside out. And that's something that is super important for beauty. And it's something that's been sort of a theme throughout my life because my mother would always be like, you know, you have to eat well because that's going to show up in your skin. And so, for example, like some of the ingredients that we use, we use certain plants that do help with brightening up the skin because if we're out in the sun all day and and especially with darker skin tones, like, for example, like if I have... pimple on my face and I pick it, then I'm going to be left with a scar for over six months. And there's not one person that I know that wants to be left with a a, a scar, a pimple scar. And just by the way that our skin is, it's it's a darker scar because it's darker than our actual skin tone. So when we do use ingredients in our line, it's more to help even out your skin tone and help um, brighten up your skin tone to bring it back to its original state, um, which is you know, if we think about our original state, we're all like born as gorgeous, bit soft, bright babies. Um, I don't know if that's going to be possible for us forever, but it's important to, to to be our purest self in that sense. And so I don't believe in, you know, lightening the skin tone to achieve what media says or what you're, you know, whoever's le- leading the trend in whatever community that you're in, saying that that's the way that beauty should be the the way that beauty should be is your authentic self and how you were born into this world because that's how you were made and and each of us have this really unique light that we carry and and my mother would often like she was so wise and as, as a kid she was like you know I'd be like mom like I when I kept sort of pushing her against like I don't want to use these like annoying natural products that take like double the time that it would if I were to go and get, you know, um, proactive or something like that. And she was like, look, Katini, like we're all born with a beautiful diamond. And over time with life, with things that we have to face, with places that we go, or other people's energy that may not be as positive, it starts to get dusty. You get a little, you know, mud on it. You get whatever it is, like with when something's sitting on the shelf, it doesn't clean itself. And so she's like, you taking the time to take care of yourself with the things that you eat and the pure products that you're using that grew naturally in this earth, you're actually purifying the skin that you have and you're cleaning it and you're taking care of it. And that can shine and that's going to shine from inside out. And I thought, "Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, like we can't have something and, and hope that it's going to shine itself without putting that time in. And whether that's you know, using natural products or whether that's eating well or whether that's meditating or whether that's saying positive affirmation for yourself. It's in different forms for everybody. But she told me really early on that we can do things on the surface, but unless we're really putting in the time to really nurture ourselves and give ourselves love and tenderness, um, we can't continue to shine without that help and without that time that we're going to be putting in. in, in, into us,
1: you know, it, I love this because it's such a way of intentionally thinking about what we eat, how we treat mm-hmm. ourselves. You talked about the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and there's so many things on the market where it's like, take this, do this, read yeah. this, and you're going to be this way, and that's just not the reality of it. And I love how you continue to reference your mom. I have a very deep and personal relationship with my mom.
0: And Mm. I know
1: that your your mom said, be an iron fist in a velvet glove. Be strong, but seasoned with grace. And so everything that you're talking about, yes, we're born as this diamonds, but then over time we become Mm. seasoned. And it's we have to still remain that way with grace. And so talk about the grace the boundaries that you've put around yourself the convergence of kind mm-hmm. of your mental and spiritual as you've become an entrepreneur because as we know entrepreneurship is hard we know that yeah. you know only 2% of women who start businesses make it to a million in revenue and you are so far on your way so how has that kind of guided your entrepreneurship journey and what does kind of the future look like in terms of integrating your values into the growth of the brand
0: you know i think um it does come down to having that quiet time and i think when we can be grounded and when we can feel safe that you can you can be your your true honest self and i think the biggest success that you'll have as an entrepreneur is to be authentic with what your values are and so you're living and breathing the brand that you've created or the business that you've created And so for me, it's always checking in to be like, are you being your honest self? You know, are you speaking from your heart? Are you um, touching base with the things that you hold so important in your heart? And so that's something that's really, really important for me. But at the same time, making sure that whatever that I'm doing, yes, it speaks to my heart, but it speaks to others too. You know, we, we are on this planet together. We are a big community. And so... That's something for me to just check in, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. How is this also impacting the lives of people around us? And I've been really blessed with Katini Skin. So the way that we sort of started, um, it's always been a dream for me to start my own skincare brand, but when I was approached during the pandemic, um, by this incredible organization called Black Progress Matters, and their sort of goal is to help um, change the color of the executive suite across corporate America. So to staff more black talent at these C-suite levels. And they also had this amazing um, business incubation underneath where they were creating more black ownership and, and more black brands. And so as one of their very first brands early on, they sort of approached me and they had been following my career as an artist. And they were like, you know, we would love to start a brand with you. And so... I was like really interested to have this call with them and everything that they stood for related with me. And, and for me, it's like, okay, if we have, if I have success as an entrepreneur, as an artist, I want to make sure that we're able to share that and to give somebody else an opportunity. And through their business incubation, like we decided, like, you know, collectively that a percentage of our sales is going to go back into funding other black, black owned brands because we need to be able to shine a light and, and to pass down the ladder so we can, continue to build up the community and I think for me as someone from sort of two minority communities so the Asian community and 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 the black community it's like I want to be able to continue to send a message to people that you can be your true self and there is a place for you you might have to fight twice as hard to sort of create that space for you but we're in a transitioning place in the world where You know, once upon a time where it was only like white male executives, people are like, oh, wait a minute, we live in a multicultural world, duh. But, you know, it took this long to sort of realize it. Um, And there are so many other incredible cultures that exist and amazing stories within that. So for me, it's like continuing to hopefully be that bridge in some way, just by default, with growing up all over the place and having parents that are from opposite ends of the world. I want to be able to sort of give that message out that you don't have to pick and choose who you're going to identify with or like what culture, what community you have to say you're from. Like you don't have to be put in a clean cut box. It's like you can be exactly who you are and find ways to weave that into your story and find ways to weave that into your life. And there's always going to be an audience that will celebrate that.
1: Wow, I'm so inspired because we are coming from such a place of unrest and it's, yeah. it's hard to think about the merging of it all because at a certain point we all will be merged like we're seeing it now culturally and the combining and it's beautiful right it's such a beautiful totally. landscape and canvas of which we are and thinking about like humankind being the central point of everything that we do and I love Black Progress Matters and how you from the start have said a percentage is going back and partnering with the organization. And you've been celebrating a lot of amazing wins. Um, the the brands Katini looks beautiful and gorgeous. Thank You um, You are 13 Loon, our dear friend, Nakea. Yes. I love Nakea. She's the best. you about the retail journey. Nick, I was just like, I missed the Hamptons. I'm like, it was beautiful <laughs> and amazing. Um, and 13 Loon and, What they're doing is just, it's an incredible model. And so you're sitting at such a a innovative intersection of retail. What does Mm. retail look like for you? Because at your price point Bergdorf's, it makes sense, it's beautiful, but you're also serving another majority consumer through 13 Loom. So how do you see the brands kind of evolving um, through retail? Retail,
0: yeah. So we so when we launched early this year in February, we launched online with, with sax.com And then shortly after with 13 Loom, we love our 13 Loom family there. And so Bergdorf Goodman, thank you. Bergdorf Goodman is our first sort of in-store experience with Katini Skin. And I think for me, it was like, th- there are so many retailers out there, but I really wanted to be intentional with like, okay, we are a luxury brand. Um, We are at a higher price point, but still not crazy. We're like, we're still affordable. So I think for me, it was like, okay, I want to be able to position the brand and and, and really have us showcase because we are a brand that that came out of New York City in an iconic, you know, retailer in New New York. So Bergdorf Goodman was one that I was dreaming of and was so grateful um, to sort of be a part of their family now. But definitely, um, we're in talks with a couple of exciting retailers. And in the next couple of months, there'll be more announcements. Um, but I would love for us to really establish the brand um, in retailers um, across America. And then the goal in the long run will be to sort of launch in Australia and as well in Japan and in Europe as well. So that's sort of all in our 12-month plan. Um, but yeah.
1: Wow. It's so beautiful. I just even seeing it positioned and the growth and the expansion and with the different products, there has to be intentionality. There has to be greater meaning. And we're also focused on the ingredients and what we're putting on our skin that seeps into our body from the inside out. So it's just, it's fantastic. I can't wait for you to share with us. We'll be looking at the expansion of the brand.
0: Yeah. There's (laughs) lots of exciting conversations we have some um, exciting new products in our innovation pipeline too that should come out early next year. So lots to come from us, and and it's just been this. You know, we're how I think we're like seven months old now, so we're we're still very very new. But to sort of see, you know, the growth in such a long time, and just how people have really embraced um, our products and our story and our mission has just been really touching. So I can't wait to send you some Catini skin and have you try it.
1: Oh my gosh! Absolutely, I, I'm already ready for my nighttime serum and my collagen. As I'm in my yeah. forties, I need all of the collagen I can get. Oh,
0: uh, it's coming! This,
1: this is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for being here. Of course. Um, as we wrap up, I just have one yeah. last question, which is always so fun. Um, So we like to highlight and support our community of other beauty wellness founders. So what's another brand, as we all covet Katini Skin, um, that we should be checking out, trying, sharing?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, the brand, sort of going back to lovely Nikeo, I love her relevant um, one and done moisturizer and SPF. So I think, you know, I wasn't, SPF is something that I've been including in the past couple of years, I guess, but it's always like, I don't want to have to put like a million things on my face. So my um, perfect combo is sort of in the morning, my one and done by relevant and, um, and then just putting on the celestial, uh, sorry, the Soleil day serum, and then just getting on with my day. And that's just been one, one brand that I really, really loved. And, and I love everything that Nikkei is about. So definitely one of my favorites.
1: Oh, I love Relevant. Oh my gosh! And it's funny, Nikaea was literally my first guest on the show, and oh my god, uh, she no was way! Just launching Thirteen Moon. Yes, we've been friends a long time, and so oh. she was launching Relevant, and we were at um, brunch. And she comes mm-hmm. in and, you know, Nakaya, she's like gorgeous. And she's like, gives it to me. And it literally in the middle of the brunch, I'm like rubbing it on my hands, on my face. I intentionally, <laughs> like, I'm clean faced. give me everything. everything. Um, but the one, I was like, go ahead. And everyone, like everyone at the tables next to us, I'm like squirting it like throughout the restaurant. Um, and we were like, one and done. It's amazing. So, and that you're yeah. right, coupled with the face oil. Oh, I, I, I can't wait. Thank you so much, Katini. Wow. I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I feel empowered. And I love how you're blending cultures to create such an amazing new concept to
0: skincare and wellness. Thank you, Kendra. You've been amazing. And I'm so grateful to be on this podcast with you. And I hope that I can meet you in person one day soon. And every week I
1: share an influencer I'm checking out and make sure to check out Relevant Skin. It's from our good friend, Nikao, who is also one of the first guests on the show. So make sure to follow at underscore relevant dot skin underscore. And again, the brand is Relevant Beauty by Nikeo. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is, are you being your honest self? Katini asked herself that, and now I ask you, are you being your honest self? And as always, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week.
0: Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fish Mar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, odyssey amazon music or where you get your podcast and on ig at business of the beat business of the beat is a mean old line media production
1: waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands